It's June 24, 2022. This is Ablecraft, episode 31. I'm Abel Kirby. And I'm Sir Spencer. Gotta sneak it in there. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I almost forgot. I panicked for a little bit. It's uh, like, wait, who am I? I had to find a mirror to find out. Well, I've been uh, doing a lot of stuff lately. I mean, I've been doing travel, and I got back, and uh, yeah. back to some of this podcasting 2.0 uh, stuff. Uh, it's been a lot of fun. I, I'm trying out a new strategy here. Oh? I'm uh, I'm buying gas with dollar cost averaging. Now, that's interesting. Okay. <laughs> and uh, so far, uh, it's not working very well. I'm about to go empty, but uh, <laughs> I'm sticking Wrecked. to the plan. It's about commitment. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, it's hard to buy low, but if if only you could sell high when it came to gas. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm thinking about these guys on the farms where they just fill up that big old tank, the big old tank under the barn or whatever, you know, mm-hmm. and, uh, live off that while the price goes up, and then hopefully it goes down before it runs out, you know? Right. But there was a little game that uh, some people used to play where you never filled the tank up all the way, and the uh, the strategy was that you're kind of expecting gas to be on the going down. So by the time you needed to fill up the tank again, you know, to put another two thirds in or whatever, you, uh, you, uh, would pay a little bit less for it mm. is the idea. Looking for that, uh, look for that recovery, huh? Yeah. That's the dollar cost averaging strategy. And, uh, unfortunately I don't think it's working. Eh, maybe it'll, <laughs> maybe it'll work later this year. We'll find out. Uh. How about you? What have you been up to? Oh man, I'm just about every damn thing. Yeah, do too. Yeah, just too many things. Yeah. As uh, as is my nature. <laughs> but uh, I've got some breaks coming up on on all of the stuff. I don't have a wine gig truck, uh, wine truck gig, I should say. Yeah. Uh, until uh, I think late August is the next one. I like that little truck, by the way. They uh, the Thank blue you. truck. Is it three yeah. wheels? Three wheels on it. Yes, sir. Uh, yeah, it's three. a it's a Piaggio Ape. <laughs> well, it's so. basically a. A Vespa with two wheels in the back instead of just one. Yes. No, it's a, it's a nice looking thing, and uh, I like it when you pick the, post the picture of it. It kind of gives you a sense of what's going on out there. Yeah, it's a... It's the old wedding gig. Hell of a lot of fun. I always... Uh, it's the... It's my proof of life. <laughs> Posting the <laughs> Fizzolino truck. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Well, there's been some stuff going on in the podcasting 2.0 space and in the... Yeah. Uh, the DMU space and... Uh, did you uh, catch podcasting 2.0 today? I did. I was listening, listening live. Did you? I caught the first maybe 20 minutes. Yeah. Lot, lots of discussion on fees and what they should be and where they should be and that kind of stuff. That's been the, it's been a lot of the discussion on uh, podcastindex.social as well lately. And mm. uh, um, I thought it was interesting because there's a lot of different um, stakeholders, you know, and a lot of different perspectives when it comes to that sort of thing. You know, you've got the app, you've got the listeners, you've got the podcasters. And um, it was just interesting as a thought experiment of where the fee should be applied and how and why and how much. And um, I guess a lot of people, well, I shouldn't say a lot, but some people have uh, been upset because they didn't know the app charged a percentage and that percentage comes off of, like, the boost. So... For instance, if you send like a thirty-three, thirty-three boost, and you expect it to go to the podcaster and all of their splits that they've determined, uh, the app fee plus the one percent to podcast index, all of that comes out of that thirty-three, thirty-three, and then everything else is split up after that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the you know, it's it's a tough situation because the other option would be to add the fee on top so that the 3333 goes to the podcaster and all of the splits they designate. Mm -hmm. And that would be kind of like, uh, you know, it costs money to send, it costs some sats, maybe one or two sats to do a transaction over the Lightning Network anyway. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it'd be similar to that where you're just tacking on in addition to your payment. Um, But some users don't expect to see their balance go down more than 3333 for boosting 3333, Mm -hmm. uh, which is understandable. Um, and there were a lot of different, uh, ideas kicked and thrown around. I, I think part of it was a discussion about Stephen B saying like, you know, if, um, uh, if no agenda tube gets going up and putting, uh, a fee for their service in that they might be justified 
having a larger fee since they're doing so much uh, video storage and you know the server space is going to be significant higher cost than just a plain audio mm-hmm. um, which is something to consider it's a consideration for sure um, but I thought Paytar had a, a really good idea of uh, why don't the apps just charge upon wallet fill up rather than tacking it on every single fee that's paid or every boost and every stream uh, that sort of thing which I thought was an interesting perspective i hadn't considered yet because then you're you know you're paying uh, a lump sum at some point when you're filling a wallet up and then you have to worry about it you don't have to worry about you know um basically all of those sats are covered the fee is covered and then the podcaster is getting all of the boost from that point forward so yeah i think there's a lot of different ways you can do it but ultimately i'm kind of falling in the same camp as dave where um you know, talking about this and, and hashing it out and seeing all the perspectives, that's an important step toward fixing it. But ultimately, uh, collectively, the market's going to decide over time and the laws of economics will decide what happens. Yeah, I'm a fan of this, just the letting things be and not worrying mm-hmm. about it because what's, yeah. there's two questions. One is the amount of fee, which is... Um, really just a strict economic question. People are, who make decisions just based on the minimum possible fee exist and, and they'll seek the apps that have the minimum possible fee. And these other techniques where you're not really changing how much you're paying, but you kind of change when you pay for it and uh, when, you, um, when you notice that you paid for it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and these are all in the fuzzy, uh, kind of the fuzzy uh area that only applies to basically single customers and, and individual people because corporations, for example, don't make decisions based on that. Right. They, they do an analysis. And some some people who think of themselves as sophisticated, sometimes they they uh, they may just be overanalyzing things and wasting their time on it. But, you know, so uh, the we'll do the same thing where they'll try and seek out just the minimum possible fee for anything I guess my whole take on this is the podcasting 2.0 allows apps to be successful, but it doesn't guarantee it. So there's no like, oh, 5%, I can live off 5% and somehow you're entitled to that. You know, you might sure. you might have to be looking at 1% later, you know. Um, right. And it's, you know, depending on what's scaling or how many people are using your product, it's 5% of what, you know. But the market, uh, the market will drive that and there's no use worrying about it, at least for me. I, I agree. So I do like the idea of playing around with when the um, when the transaction takes place. So you kind of say, well, you know, I paid a fee or maybe I paid a subscription fee or something. I don't know. There's some other mechanism that covers the cost of my transactions in a way that um, I can feel like now the money in the wallet's indemnified. You know, it's right. tax-free at that point. Well, that's sort of what uh, Fountain has. They're yeah. the one app that has a solution like that where you can kind of go um... – you can go to their premium subscription and then there's no fees because mm-hmm. um, you basically pay them up front. Yep. Which is, uh, it's, it's, it's a compelling uh, compelling proposition, especially to have options like that, you know. Yeah. I mean, they're some... doing uh, all kinds of stuff over there, though. <laughs> yeah, I need to get Fountain and uh, download it and check it out. Um, I'm still using PodFriend occasionally, but I've I've kind of fallen off. There's too many little gotchas inside it that make it difficult to stick with it. Mm. Um, I do have a list of some of the basic UI things that are really just the killers for me, the things that make me want to get rid of it. And I need to communicate this effectively to uh, to Martin. But they're surprisingly, well, they might be surprising if you're not familiar with who I am and my, my taste in UI. <laughs> but some of, some of the things where... When you press the play, so when you're playing a, uh, a podcast, there's a pause button. The play button turns into a pause button. When you hit the pause button, then the layout of the screen changes a little bit. And the so you've you've paused the thing you're listening to. And then to reinitiate playback, you think the you just hit the play button again. And what it, which is true, but what happens is the play button migrates around the screen, and mm-hmm. it ends up that if you want to play pause, stop and start it really fast, you have to um, anticipate that, or you end up 
basically touching things that aren't buttons. I and see. Most of most of my complaints about Podfriend are things like that, where the responsive app design on uh, now I'm using Android and I'm using the web app version, so I'm going to a web page in a browser uh, on Android, sure. and just some of that just doesn't work. But the the biggest thing. Um, which makes it difficult for me to, to use is on through that interface, there's no ability to subscribe to a podcast. Huh. So in order to subscribe to a podcast, I have to get onto a desktop website and then the subscribe button becomes available um, and I can go search for something and I can see it and I can hit subscribe and it shows up in my feeds. But if you don't do that, the what I presume is some kind of responsive web design has decided that the subscribe or the search button, I can't remember which one is, is the one, uh, is less important than some other features on the screen and uh, tucks it away. So you can't yeah. touch it. <laughs> you can't touch it from your phone, which is uh, really irritating if you wanted to pop on maybe a podcast you forgot about or one you hadn't yet imported to Podfriend and it's a showstopper. And so I was flipping over to CurioCaster for some of those. And my final thought I'll bring up on podcasting apps is I've been using um, Podcast Addict a couple uh, yeah. a couple times lately, and the main reason is offline playback, because you can jump on and um, download those podcasts and listen to them on an airplane without Wi-Fi, which is uh, critical if you're going to be flying anywhere or traveling where there's no uh, cell service. The second feature that none of the web apps have um, is just some basic audio controls. So like a compressor. Sure. There's yeah. there's no good implementation that I know of. At least there's no standard implementation for like putting a dynamic compressor um, into a website using JavaScript, at least not in the way that these sites are set up, where it's basically they're going to give you a link to the resource, you know, this external MP3 file, and then you're going to, you know, click play and it'll load the data and pass it to you. It's hard to get in between the MP3 decoder, where it, you know, it gets frames of data from the file it's, as it's downloading, as it's streaming to you. Um, decoding those frames into a waveform which you can play through your speaker and it might be mono or stereo so there might be two waveforms and then those usually just end up going straight out to the audio output of the browser and trying to get something in between that seems to be a pretty difficult task I, I've looked at it once and I'm not a JavaScript expert or a web design expert but I couldn't get any um, traction on it and I couldn't find any resources which discussed it it seemed like what you needed to do is basically go a level deeper and have a system that, um, you know, instead of using the standard kind of libraries for playing out, the standard methods, I should say, of playing out an MP3 or playing sound on a website, you have to have your own back end to it just to be able to insert something between the decoding and the, and the uh, playing out to the speaker part. So yeah, I don't know how that happens, but in Podfriend, uh, in um, Podcast Addict, they have the little normalized volume, or I think it's called Volume Boost, is what that mm -hmm. feature is called for them. And I listened to Brett Weinstein's podcast, uh, Dark Horse, and they yes. have a they have a critical problem. They don't know how to do dynamic compression, and so it's it's always very very quiet um, until it's not, and so you can yeah, crank the volume up, and then whoa. it blows your ears out. Yeah, that's always a rough one. So, but that's my kind of my life with consuming podcasts uh, these days. I still haven't set up my cron job to send out a bunch of uh, boostograms, but it's something I want to do. Yeah, that would be cool. It's Just like have a sustaining donation boostogram. Mm -hmm. One of my things, and I've said this before, is I don't usually listen to podcasts live, just period. Um, if I do, I, I jump in for 20 minutes and then I leave. And that's... Uh, because of how my habits are, I need to be able to pause and digest and rewind and, and listening to something. The same thing for three hours straight feels more like being trapped in a cage than enjoyment. So maybe it's the way I'm wired, but I just can't do that. And so the boosting part of podcasting 2.0 is very closely tied to the live experience these days. People boost podcasts when they're not live, but I'll tell you what, I don't see a whole lot of that anymore. 
if we want to receive sats for rare encounter, for example, the live ta- live item tag has to be lit. That's the only time these things are coming in. Yeah, that is overwhelmingly <laughs> the time for boosts. It's, yep. it's uh, you don't see a lot coming in after the fact, which is kind of interesting. Yep. Um, it's it's almost like the main way that sats are transferred. <laughs> yeah, is the boostograms yeah. are the killer right here. Well, everything and I, else has fallen away. And I wonder if, uh, I wonder what the reasons for that are, because I've been thinking about that as well. And uh, Sir Bimrose, I saw in a chat the other night, kind of asking, hey, why did I get all these sats for grumpy old Ben's for the one episode? And, you know, I haven't gotten jack shit for uh, for my uh, other podcast, my tech, I'm sorry. Angry the, tech uh, news. Angry tech news. <laughs> now playing episode 36. It is one of those days, man. Yeah. No, uh, he's like, angry tech news, I don't get any boosts. And uh, I got flooded with this uh, Grumpy Old Ben's thing. And I think that it was a combination of, um, you know, not having a Grumpy Old Ben's for a while and people were kind of jonesing. But also that live is a huge game changer. And I just wonder if the offline or the, you know, post-live experience is just not compelling enough uh, yet. For some reason, in the apps themselves, or because uh, I, I got to say myself, when I'm not listening live, I also tend to fall toward podcast addict just because it it works so much better. It's just such a smoother experience, and a lot of other apps frustrate me mm. for whatever reason. Um, so I was just kind of pondering that, like, why is it that uh, sats fall so hard? If it's not live. Well, this this has been explained by uh, Adam Curry, and it was way in the early days uh, of podcasting 2.0 when he was talking about the the boost um, function and his argument for why it should be there in the first place. And he got it kind of right. What he said in the original pitch, and this was early in podcasting 2.0, I still remember this. He said, it's while you're listening to it, that's, that's when you want to hit, you know, that when you right. want to call in and... Uh, and yak at a guy at C-SPAN is when the show is on the air. Yeah. It's not when it's not on the air. And That's true. But what he didn't get at the time, and I think has become apparent, I, I don't think anyone really saw this, but what's become apparent now is it's not just the recording of the show just isn't as compelling for that kind of uh, the behavior, I guess. I'm trying to think. Sure. Like the trigger that you, makes you want to do it is... I think you're really on to something there because like uh, I think... Uh, last uh, Wednesday's Rare Encounter was a perfect example of <laughs> when I'm listening to it, and it is live. It's going on live, right? I uh, typically around the time you guys do Rare Encounter on Wednesdays, I'm up in my kitchen trying to put some dinner together. Mm-hmm. Okay, and uh, when I'm catching up on Rare Encounter, I'm just kind of like listening to what's happening, or I'm catching up. You know, I'm like, what happened then? And I'm in a completely different mindset. But when it's live, it's like, this is happening right now. And I'm so compelled to say something or do something. Sometimes I will be frying something in a frying pan upstairs and be so compelled to have to (laughs) put my two cents in that I will run down my stairs into the basement and type something ignorant into the chat and then run back up to continue frying something in a frying pan. And I think you're right. Like, there's just a completely different mindset and mentality. Uh, between when something is actually popping off live versus when you're catching up, I I completely understand that uh, that jumping out of the shower to go do something because I've I've done that for no agenda. I've done yeah, that for your show. Like, you know, it's like oh my god, I have the most clever shit to say, and I just need to you know type two words in the chat that's completely ignorant. But like, you got to get it out of you, and it's like it's happening now. I have to say this now. <laughs> And there's just no, there's no kind of thing like that, you know? Like, I'm not, I don't feel the same way when I'm listening, catching up, and then I want to, like, put a toot out on Mastodon and be like, oh, yeah, uh, remember this part in the episode I'm <laughs> listening to? There's just something about the now that makes it so much more compelling. Yep. And uh, I, I do want to say we did receive your boost on Rare Encounter, but because of circumstances, we uh, jumped to the ending and we didn't get to read the... The live boosts. Oh, that's uh, right. So th- that'll be picked up next episode. Um, I'll. I will say something. Maybe you've experienced this too. When uh, our friend, our beloved pal, Boobery, yeah, 
uh, put like 15 different people inside his split. Yeah. And he set a record that no one has, uh, uh, I think, given him credit on a show for yet, but it was absolutely a record. It's kind of like the the <laughs> the uh, the most guys in a phone booth. Yeah. I was gonna. Like I was gonna say the most Jews in a phone booth, but I don't want to say that, so I stopped myself. Um, That's good. That's good. We wouldn't want to put. We wouldn't want to put something insensitive like that out there. No, um, never. But the um, the spam that comes from that is absolutely unbelievable. I had uh-huh. to. I'm still sifting through it now. Every once in a while, uh, I still sure. get a boost from that behind the schemes episode. Yeah, and it. I almost read it like it's a rare encounter boost and then I have to catch myself because there's no lanes in helipad, unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there's a couple of things about helipad and I, I just, for so many of these projects, I just wish that I knew more things and could do more things. Um, and development is just such a mountain to climb, you know? It's like everything you learn is super specialized. And then uh, if you want to do something else, you have to re-specialize pretty much right away and it's also kind of at least in my very incredibly limited experience uh it's tough to um it's one of those like if you don't use it you lose it things it's not like riding a bike whatsoever if you stop uh this specialization that you've taught yourself and take a week off and then you come back to it and you're looking at the code base that you wrote you're just like trying to make heads or tails of it again like you're a brand new child learning to read again so it's tough, but like uh, for Heliped, there's a couple of things that we've been talking about for a while, which seem like uh, simple, you know, front end things that you could do. Um, things like filtration of uh, the shows that you're in, uh, maybe sort by date or pick a date range and filter out anything before a certain date, maybe sort by episode, different stuff like that. Uh, there's also people have been pointing out to me that. Uh, Helipad seems to take up a lot of space on the SD card, <laughs> on a node, like a, a like an unreasonable amount, like what? how uh, much over two gigabytes of space for for the app, for a pretty simple web app, you know. Is it because the um the compressed uh, what I presume is enlightening the database is pretty compressed? You know, everything's in this x sixty four encoding just to start with, right? And so, well, by the time you expand it and then duplicate the database, is that where the space comes from? That's what the crazy part is, is because it's not the data. The database is kept on your SSD, really? uh, and then the the actual SD card is where it takes up a lot of space. And so I'm not really sure if it's just been like deployed in a developer mode still. And uh, a lot of times you can do like I'm more familiar with uh, React apps, right? And so when you make a React app, you create a React app, it adds all of these different dependencies, all these different packages that you could potentially use in your app. Um, and then you can, of course, jam more in there. But React apps, when you're, in, when you're developing them, they're pretty fat. And then uh, at the end, when you're ready to deploy it, you, um, you know, run a build command, and then it outputs a much leaner version of this app with only the dependencies and packages that you actually are using. Yeah, I think this is a Rust thing. Now that you yeah. say dependencies of packages, I'm I'm just going back to wait a minute. Doesn't Rust do that? Where no matter if you're using something or not, it gets blown. Uh, it compiles resources that aren't actually used in the program just to be safe. Yeah, and I wonder if there's like if that's just a dev, a dev mode thing, you know, hmm. like if it's um, if it's been published in the dev mode or if there's like a lighter way to do it. I don't know because I'm like uh, a Rust virgin. Essentially, mm. we've got to get. I'm sure there's some listeners who who have studied Rust at some level. I, if this is what the problem is, I think we've zeroed in on it. And then yes, calling all Rustafarians, calling all Rustafarians. Uh, yes, we've got your iron oxide right here. <laughs> yeah, oh, that would man. be that would be nice. But th- that to me is not a priority. I wouldn't even bitch about it. It's. I I wouldn't even know about it, but uh, I've seen other people drop this in my chat, and they're like trying to you know free up some room on their SD card, and you know you when you do that, you kind of take a inventory of all the shit that's on there, and you sort it by size, and then you go, holy shit, why is helipad at the top? Like that doesn't make very much sense. Man, my laptop was so heavy, I was trying to fly with it, I couldn't get on, so I go, I opened it up, I started deleting files, you know, till I could get on the plane. Is it something like that? <laughs> Something That's like the old that, joke. Yeah. 
And then the, inter- like the interference, you know, it caused the plane to go out of control. So I had to open up Excel and land the plane. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes. Sometimes right-click, save as doesn't always work, so. Well, I was doing some research on technical subjects, uh, as I sometimes do, and just to go back, as long as we're complimenting and bitching about podcast-related uh, software, which I, I'm putting in a flippant way, but I think it's a valuable resource. People don't get feedback. Um, I'm, I'm sure they get feedback on some level, but uh, I think this is some valuable service. We've, you've clearly thought a lot about what you think needs to happen in a podcast app, and I have too. And so uh, opinions mm-hmm. like ours, I think, should be held in high regard. Uh, but <laughs> one of the things that Podcast Addict also does, and and I think there's some some projects in the podcasting 2.0 space who can um, help out. Not that actually Podcast Addict is in the podcasting 2.0 space. So I want to they support that. a lot of elements actually, um, but there's a lot of people that are hesitant to touch the the value part. It's just the value tag. Uh, it's Xavier, them, the lightning things. The guy who, uh, hey Xavier, if you're listening, we want lightning. I, but what I really want to be able to do and i don't know maybe bolt 12 will help us do this but what what would be kind of awesome is at least to have maybe you don't have the streaming every minute thing and maybe you don't have a native wallet inside of your app but you have an ability to still boost and you just tap a boost button and it takes you to your wallet app like it's a link that your phone recognizes as a lightning action yeah and it gives you all your lightning wallets and you can go in and then you can you know the address is already pre-populated. You can enter your amount. You can enter your message. Uh, somehow we've got to figure that out. And that way these apps can say, uh, that way these apps can just put their hands in the air and say, I don't know nothing. They have a value tag. You can interact with it with your own lightning app, you know? Yeah. The, the thing, if I'm just going to take a step back and say, what do I think would be a compelling way to get podcast addict on? Whether or not it's uh, plausible right now, it would be for... The Lightning Wallet software, whether it's Raspi Blitz or Umbral, would have a socket, and I, I know some of this already exists, so I'm just going to pretend that it doesn't, would have some kind of um, API that you could expose if you wish to by opening some port or uh, allowing external connections to it that would let a third party say, oh, look, I'm, I can authenticate myself. I can show you yeah. that, that I have the macaroon or whatever. I have the code that lets me, that authorizes me to dispense funds. And, and by the way, I don't do anything. I just write a little message that says, the user says, do this. And then the, the wallet goes out and, and does a boost CLI kind of boost thing. And so the instructions, the, the work that an uh, app like Podcast Addict would have to do would just amount to forming this... Uh, this instruction that says, here's the amounts and the addresses of everything, and I'm signing it and uh, maybe encrypting it, do, all, all of the things that are plausible to do for this kind of sure. thing. And pass it off to Umbral or pass it off to the Lightning Specialists. There's a second benefit to this, which is that it now becomes um, possible to use with, with Podcast Addict any crypto or any kind of service um, that supports that same protocol. Now, this is a protocol that I think exists at least a little bit in Lightning, but... Well, what one one example I can think of that already exists right now is the LN Bits integration, where you can um, spin up many different wallets, and they have a built-in API that you can call on. So you could give mm-hmm. these other apps uh, your user ID, the wallet ID for your specific Allen Bits wallet you want to associate with that, and then a read key and an admin key, mm-hmm. uh, all which are baked into Allen Bits. And the only app that I know of that actually utilizes that right now is Vita. Yeah. Uh, Vita.live, which I think I've mentioned briefly uh, before, but uh, I haven't really done it. a lot of exploring of it, but uh, some guys in my Kansas City Bitcoin meetup group um, have done some on that. And it basically allows you to connect your own lightning node and um, just basically do the boosting and streaming straight from that instead of uh, using the in-app wallet, the native wallet. Mm -hmm. And I think if apps required you to do that, then a lot of this uh, people being nervous and not wanting to be the custodian of other people's uh, Bitcoin, which I totally understand, like not wanting to do that. 
maybe that's a good way around it is to say, all right, well, just give us the API to your LN Bits wallet, and we'll just we'll just play from there. So what you're describing is an extension to LN Bits for boosting. Essentially, uh, it's more of like an app using your Ellen Bits API that already exists uh, in order to do boosts, but they just don't have to hold your keys and hold your wallet and hold all your shit and be responsible for it if, if anything goes wrong. I, I don't think the Ellen Bits um, will let you do like queue up four key send payments. Maybe it does. I, I just suspect that's not the case. And, and also encoding the TLVs is something it certainly doesn't do. Uh, right. That would have to be handled on the app side. Yeah. So t- again, that what it sounds like to me is you're describing an extension for LN Bits. And there's a lot of extensions. There I, I had LN Bits open before the show and there's like 16, 20 Yeah, there's a bunch of different stuff. So I don't know how they're coded or who who even makes all these. Where where these things yeah, come from? I I really don't either, man. <laughs> <laughs> they're just there. This is the Wild West, you know. Someone like, someone made people a split, make shit. Someone made a split payments thing. There's LN URL device. I think that's uh, might be what you were talking about. But all of these are um, all of these were made by someone. Um, the thing, uh, like uh, getting back to what Vita does, though, like. Vita's um, implementation of the Ellen Bits wallet requires no other extension for Ellen Bits itself. All they want is your uh, Ellen Bits user ID, your Ellen Bits wallet ID, the read key, and the admin key. Those are the four things they need. Oh, and your API domain, of course. Yeah. You so, like, to, uh, who to talk yeah, to? Where to where to pass the API calls? Which but door? Then, if which door to it, knock on? If you know what exactly, I mean. Exactly. Exactly. But then you know. Once they have all of that, and you you know you give them a give them a key and let them in. The beauty of Ellen Bits and kind of its original purpose was you got a node, and then you want to uh, do all of these different things with the node, or have all these different services. Like uh, let's take the Sphinx for example, right? You want to you want to have Sphinx relay, and then Sphinx has its own wallet, uh, but you don't want to expose your whole nut to Sphinx to be able to you know accidentally or whatever happens spend your entire uh, on-chain balance or off-chain balance, your lightning balance in Sphinx, you could set up an Ellen Bits wallet and designate that as Sphinx and then uh, just kind of quarantine some of your uh, or partition is probably a more appropriate term partition some of your sats into different places and that way you can't, you know, you're kind of putting a limit on what uh, any given app has access to. Yeah. It's, um... No, this is all an interesting uh, conversation about technologies which we wish existed. <laughs> right. I think, yeah. Well, I think, I think it, well, that one does. But Every know. time we go down this road and these rabbit holes, it just is another reminder of how early all this shit is, you know? Yeah. Even basic stuff like the, it seems like the front end helipad work really could be done by and i don't know maybe i'm speaking out of turn but the at least some of the features that i was trying to do i ran into just because i'm not a javascript developer i ran into some some blockades there and it seems like some of them a um i don't know what you call it not an amateur but a um a journeyman javascript developer who was working on helipad seems like uh could do a lot of damage if you know what i mean yeah Uh, a lot of good damage yeah I like Adam Curry's, uh, he put out a bounty on a particular audio problem he had. <laughs> yes. And that's something I've been thinking about as a way to blow some sets, is I wonder if I should open a bounty on some of these, like, nagging issues and say, hey, you know what? I want to be able to, like, change the the sound that plays in Helipad. Uh, oh, man. Or have a volume control in Helipad. Just, you know, natively. Sure. And, uh, yeah, maybe there's a bounty there. Hey, you want to make some quick sets? You already See, know this how is to do the, this, right? <laughs> this is the thing that just makes me want to, uh, pound my head against the wall is like, as a, as a guy who just is like, you know, ankle deep in this kind of stuff, um, I, in order to further explore and, and apply my own, um, limited experience to solving such problems, I'd have to learn Rust 
you know like <laughs> yeah. oh yeah well this is great you know i can kind of think of some uh front end solutions to this but also there will be a little bit of logic required rust you got you know it's all it's all in rust so you gotta fucking do rust you know it's like every new every new thing uh steven b he uh added me to a repo and he's kind of porting curiocaster over to a mobile uh and it uses svelte which is like a um less verbose version or um not even a version but it's kind of a less verbose form of of uh, react itself uh very elegant you look at the examples and you're like oh cool that's a neat way to do it where it's like less verbose and uses less lines of code that's beautiful but you still have to learn the shit you know it's just like i gotta learn a new like <laughs> complete new programming language or technology for every little project and i think that it's just such it's just such tower of babel when you get into web development it's just like it makes my head catch on fire now some people think that when you start involving money in these sorts of things that they all go to shit but i have the opposite opinion i think that when you put when you reward people for you know doing stuff even you know like i'm reading the chat cotton gin says that a lot of these have been on numerous people's lists for a year plus yep and, oh yeah absolutely and you know, when you add some money into it, not, I don't mean like 10 sats. I mean like the equivalent of a hundred bucks, 200 bucks, something like that. <laughs> I, I'm taught and I'm not joking. I mean, these no, are, I'll, these are the kinds of rates that you'd expect for these sorts of things Sure. to do something like put a, put a, if it's really, you know, a couple hours work, that's the kind of thing you'd expect. Right. Yeah. Um, well, but I, it lets you prioritize this in a way that you couldn't otherwise uh, yeah, I think that's um, it's a very cool theory in theory, and uh, it's kind of funny because Sphinx has been doing stuff like that for um, I think close to a year at least, if not longer, uh, where they're kind of uh, pay by bounty developing in their own app, and um, there's a lot of like there's a lot of updates and solutions that get pushed through, and the UI is different, but something there's some kind of a hump that hasn't been crossed in sphinx and it just still feels very alpha another thing uh the reason that i laughed i'm, I'm not trying to be rude or anything <laughs> no, uh, but the reason that i laughed when you suggested that is the last bitcoin meetup i went to um i've been talking to this artist here in in casey a musician and i've been saying yo you got to get on uh this podcasting 2.0 like he's been it was kind of his reason for coming to the Bitcoin meetups in the beginning is just to f uh, tackle a similar solution to like how we published uh, our project, Stay A While. And uh, so he's been so excited about it since I told him about it and kind of really showed him deeper. Um, like the second time I talked to him, it really kind of broke through this wall and he kind of, he understood it and he saw it. But now he's on the thing of he wants it. And so at the last uh, Bitcoin meetup, he asks me, so how much money would it take for, your, for you and your guys to get this music app done in a month? And I just had to just <laughs> laugh. I had to just be like, this is the, like, it's not an issue of not having enough money. It's not a problem of money. It's a problem of, like, if I, how much money could I give you to have the next great American novel published in a month? You know? Like... You, we're trying to come up with stuff that's not been written. And, like, yeah, everybody knows what it needs to do and how it needs to, like, yeah, operate a... and the problems it needs to solve. But then you have to write it and then it has to work. And right. that's just such a fucking, like, quagmire. And I, I've just tried to just take deep breaths and, like, allow it to roll out slowly because anything else is just so frustrating. You know what I mean? Everybody's just, like... Oh, we want to try this app. We want to try this music app. You know, like, wh what do you got so far? What can we help? I want to help you on it. Like, what can I do to help? <laughs> and it's just such a, um, as far, as far as the app itself, what I've done is I've got a, a database schema made out now, and I have some basic API controller scaffolded for, like, an API. And now I want to work on being able to take a feed, parse it out, and fill my database that's kind of music-forward database, right? So there's like a table for artists, there's a table for tracks, there's a table for albums, uh, all the things you'd expect. And I just want to be able to take a feed, parse it out, add it to my database, and then 
um, have an API that we could build apps on top of. And even that is just so, like, I'm having to teach myself stuff constantly along the way, you know? And, um, um, I mean, it's just crazy. It's crazy. There's some other um, kind of lightning services that uh, came to my attention. One of them through you since the last time we spoke. Uh, one of them was uh, lightning2.me. Oh, yes. Uh, this was, it looks like a service that, uh, lets you buy inbound liquidity. Is that a good description of it? Um, it's sort of like, uh, basically they have a node and they'll balance a channel to you for free. If your node is big enough and connected enough. Okay. Uh, that's like the simple TLDR of it. Um, the way it works is you open a channel to them. Uh, well, actually the way it first works is you pop your... Uh, public key in there and they will see if it qualifies you need at least 20 million sats of capacity on your node in order to qualify for a uh, balanced channel mm-hmm. for free and then the process is just you open a channel at the beginning of opening a channel there's an option to be able to push um, any amount of sats you want to the other side over lightning so you just push half so say in my example, I opened up a 2 million capacity, uh, 2 million sat capacity channel. So I opened 2 million, I push 1 million over to their side. So it's automatically balanced once it opens, once it opens and is confirmed. But what that does is sends them a million sats that are theirs on the Lightning Network. So then what they do, the service they provide, is they give you that million back on-chain to your on-chain address. Uh, you just have a simple form of a channel ID your on-chain address for your node that you generate, and then you sign the channel ID uh, with your node just to kind of prove you're legit, and so they can check and uh, make sure that all that's cool, and then it just automatically sends back that um, that half of the channel to your on-chain, so you can open more channels with it, or you can do whatever you want with it, but essentially that's balanced at the end of that, and they eat the on-chain f- uh, fee, which is really nice. That's cool. I, I, I'm i not sure I'd use a service like this, but maybe I would. I don't know. It's like uh, you got a free channel. It's like a cooperative opening without having to cooperate with anybody, you know? Yeah. So once you hit 20 million sats, um, it's just like, oh, yeah, this is a guy that you can open a channel with. and You don't have to coordinate, you know? You don't have to be like, okay, at this time, we're going to lower our fees, and then I'm going to push it over, and then you're going to, you know, send me back the sats. Like, it's just all, it just all works, and you can just do it on your own. It's really nice. Talking in chat at the same time. <laughs> the, uh, the controversy over a couple hours to change one of the sound uh, parameters, and uh, I didn't expect that one, but I don't know. Maybe there's something there. Um, oh, I know. Uh, everybody says it's easy, and then nobody uh, writes it, so I don't know. Well, yeah, it, you know, it very well may be easy. Like I'm just, uh, I'm. I want to make clear that I'm just a simple idiot. <laughs> so it, it very well may be easy, uh, but nobody's writing the damn thing. Yep. Right. And uh, if I knew how to, I would have done it by now. There's another someone who uh, went out of the way and just did something. Uh, this was WaveLake.com. Have you heard of uh, these guys? Yes. Uh, you brought them to my attention, actually. Yeah. This was another Lightning Music uh, service, and they have a top forty on their webpage when you first go to it and i'm not sure they have much more songs than uh than uh 40 i'm not i couldn't get a full list out of it but they have this interesting kind of parallel lightning music uh architecture where they have you can upload your uh music you can it when you're playing it you can just hit play they they had this weird system with power and charge and those are kind of made up words for how many plays are allowed of a particular track right now and then Mm -hmm. as you play them the the power depletes and and charge is kind of their made up word for sending more sats to wavelake.com to increase the power of a track that you like so in other words to enable that track to be played more and it's a if I'm understanding it correctly, it's a fun little inversion where you're not, 
I there, there's a chance that I'm completely misunderstanding this, but the after playing it with for with it for a little bit, it seems like everyone kind of shares this pool of jukebox credits. Yeah, you know, everyone does. Yep. And it, if you throw some charge into a song, uh, you can say, "Hey, I want to buy five plays. I'm only going to play one, but now there's four left for someone else who wants to listen to it." That's and right. So the good songs stay charged, and the bad songs don't. And but the interesting thing is the rank on the top forty isn't the songs with the most charge; it's the songs by the most play. So they've got that dynamic too. Like you can't just pay to get on to rank number one. Right. But it's a. I don't know. It's a fun thing. It's an, yeah, it's an interesting new uh, way to go about things. Um, I was kind of poking on there myself, too. I think that um, for long term, like the two major problems I see is uh, the first is it seems sort of a walled garden in that you have to like get in touch with them and put your stuff on there and then it's on there, you know? So it's like... It's just like another step, whereas like w- with the DMU stuff, you just have to host it somewhere on the internet, and then you've got a feed, and then you say, hey, this is where my stuff is. And then any app or anybody else that uh, plays along with the protocol can get access to it. Um, it's how podcasting works, and it's just like the same way, which I think is uh, it's more scalable and um, kind of more of a long-term what's going to be the, the way to go. <laughs> And the second thing is really the the business model is just micro paywall essentially, um, but it's like a socialized micro paywall. So you have just like you're saying, like you have this many plays left. Like say a song has 300 plays left, and so I play some, and Joe down the street plays some, and whoever plays some, and then there's like it's dwindling plays. Well, I can go and I can boost stuff to get the play count back up, but I can't really. It's not a value-for-value proposition. It's a micro-paywall proposition. And so then you have that kind of floor-ceiling problem. Uh, And the the fees are, I mean, very, very cheap, very low. So, you know, it's it's new, it's experimental. Everybody's kind of trying to figure out what's going to work. But in my opinion, this is kind of going to fall into the same sort of incredibly limited model that things like uh, Patreon or things like... um, you know the stuff that we've talked about all the, all the all along for this project that uh, you're not really doing this in a value for value sense. You know, mm-hmm. um, it's cool the the camaraderie that you can have of like, yeah, I'm gonna buy these. Uh, you know, this round's on me, boys, and you can throw yeah. like 400 plays on there. That's kind of a, interesting and intriguing. But uh, um, no. I just think like it, the the paywall business model is inherently flawed and limited. There is something to the camaraderie part because I like jukeboxes, especially uh, if yes, it's do a, I? yeah, if it's a like a especially like a dive bar with a jukebox and they turn it up so it's fucking loud. I yeah. don't mean one of these soft. You put in a dollar and then it plays it quiet like that's bull. I want the whole sound system turned all the way up, and then you can go and play music you like, and and that's fantastic if you if you're there with friends and you know you putting on a bunch of different things, trying different songs, if the variety is good. There's something there's something to this, uh, which I feel like Wave Lake is tapping into. Uh, but, you know, kind of the I reason agree. it works is because it's you and your friends and you're all in the same space. Exactly. That's and the key. I, I just and don't see it happening. That's what's missing. I think on paper, it really, the jukebox idea is very intriguing. But then the execution basically is like, Oh yeah, I put a bunch of plays on. You got to go over to Wavelike and listen to them yourself whenever you have time or whenever. Like the beauty of a jukebox is you're in a bar, everybody else is in the bar. You put your song on, and everybody has to listen to that fucking song while it plays. Like that's it. That's the song that's playing. Everybody's got to listen to it. Yeah. And that's what's going on for the next however long the song is. So I like So if you play the Star Wars theme song or if you play Pokémon in Spanish, <laughs> you know, <laughs> which which all of things which have been done. Or if you play <laughs> Wheels on the Bus Go Round and Round, you know, everyone can sing along. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. I think that's like, you know, if you could, uh, I don't know, it, it might be very cool to implement that on somebody who has like a stream going on all the time, right? And so uh, there's this stream and you know everybody's like listening to the stream and then you you put a jukebox song on, you know? And maybe uh, 
maybe you can bump yours to play next <laughs> this for a higher sat this sounds you know? like a helipad feature but you've got to make playlist you, you're making everybody <laughs> listen to it like that's the that's the aspect of it would be a true jukebox if by playing a song you could make everybody else listen to it whether they liked it or not yeah or they would have to like leave you know you don't want to listen to this song you got to like leave the bar <laughs> yeah Oh man, that's a real jukebox. You know, you gotta you gotta involve some oppression. So now that we've thoroughly criticized uh, all of the other people in our space and uh, I, I, insulted I the programmers, stuff, by the way, uh, let's talk about. <laughs> you've given a quick update on the uh, the DMU, but I wanted to comment on something. I saw the logo. The, okay, uh, the logo, and I enjoy it. I like the color. Um, it needs more color. He's not uh, quite colored in yet. I, I he has a little bit of color. I don't mind the emu being uh, simplistic. Oh, there's a motorcycle going by. Nice. S- some of the colors, I think, could be changed a little bit. Um, the blue, for some reason, isn't isn't hitting me the right way. But I like the the fact that the text for demu is the same color as the emu's eyes. That's yeah. a good touch. Thank you. But the, the... Little subtleties. My my comment uh, is the blue just... I don't know. Something about it doesn't quite strike me. It's Bitcoin orange. And then I just went in and like programmatically picked the the complementary blue to the Bitcoin orange. Oh, like there's it, your problem. Using uh, Adobe Color. Yep. And it was just as a starting off point. You know, like just a rough draft. Like I need to slap some colors in this. Like I'm going to start with Bitcoin orange and then I'm going to, you know, that's mm-hmm. kind of that. That was my thought, thought process. I really didn't put any kind of... Uh, heart and soul into it yet because I knew that uh, I knew that smarter people than me would give me feedback and help me steer it in a good direction. I, I think blue is the right color. I think it's the wrong shade of blue. Yeah, that's my. I can tell. I can see. Review. Um, I got music update. Uh, Sovereign feeds. Did uh, we didn't mention that yet? This uh, Dropbox uh, feeds. Oh tutorial. yes. So uh, I actually had an update on that. That um, uh, Stephen was talking about. Just to catch everyone up, um, Stephen B. had published at SovereignFeeds.com slash tutorial slash music feeds a tutorial on using a free Dropbox account to host a podcasting 2.0, you know, music, um, to host your album if you wanted to publish that way. Uh, now, Dropbox has done some funny things with the... Um, the way they let you host publicly accessible files in the past. I don't know if this is going to last forever, if it really takes off, but they, you used to be able to do things like host a whole website inside Dropbox. <laughs> they right. unfortunately uh, put the kibosh on that. I used to run a website written it that was out of Dropbox. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, once, once your Dropbox is used not as cloud storage, but like as a personal web server, then uh, the costs are <laughs> slightly yeah, different. They, uh, they did it. They a lot of people were doing it, and they cracked down on it. I think is yeah. what it came down to. Yeah. So, um, so what's what the update? He, he said that uh, Dropbox will work for hosting images and MP3s, but it won't host the XML file, right? Yes. So that the tutorial doesn't really actually work for the XML. The actual feed needs to be hosted somewhere else. Now, what we did on ours is I've had the same web host for like a decade at least, uh, DreamHost. And I just made a subdomain on, uh, uh, well, I did I did that for Bull After Bull. I made a subdomain and just hosted it there to get around the, the way that WordPress kind of screws you over. Uh, and they won't do that either. But uh, for Abel and the Wolf, I literally just did a slash and uh, hosted it in a, in a folder on, uh, on our domain. So it's pretty, it's a pretty simple thing to do if you already have a web host. You just make it as another file that's accessible. Hmm. But um, yeah, I've he been... was looking into, let me see what this message says. Uh, he was looking into digital ocean spaces uh, for five bucks a month and then uh, giving Sovereign Feed some API keys for uploading files to that space. Uh, so he's kind of looking at that as an option, which is cool. Um, I think that... Um, Web hosting, like if you just have a uh, your own web host, there's a certain, there's probably a little bit higher uh, barrier to entry. But once you get it set up, 
it's so easy. Like it just stays there forever. One of the things I was thinking about is like the number of people who can um, create a basic website or even just by hosting, because what you're talking about is really just FTPing files onto a site and you don't even need any front end. You're talking about, Correct. I have to basically have what people would think of as a folder on a website. Um, Which all websites are, by the way. And, and just FTP the MP3s and the XML file onto it. I, yeah. I don't think there's a shortage of people who know how to do that. Um, and it, around bands, there's usually someone, if if you're in the band, you probably have one person who knows how to do that shit. Or if you don't, you know someone who, know, who knows someone. Yeah. You know, it's, and so I'm not too caught up on that. I think it's, if that was all you had to do, I think we'd, it'd already be solved. That's literally what we did for Abel and the Wolf. Like the, the website that we made to go along with it as a companion was cherry on top, but it was not required for our app to work in any of the podcasting so, apps. So sovereign feeds building the XML file, I think is key. Um, yes. Th Cause that's the thing that is completely arcane. If you're not familiar with podcasting, uh, you know, the, the format of XML documents to start and then RSS after that. And then what are the specific things for podcasting? Well, you know, if you were smart, you might try and look at that podcasting. Uh, what is it? The iTunes namespace. You open up yeah. that URL and, and think, oh, I you, thinking that you're going to get a page that says, here's what all the tags are and how, what they mean. And here's, you know, it would explain how you construct one of these. And what you find out is the iTunes namespace document don't go no, don't go nowhere. No. So wonderful there's all kinds of roadblocks that that stop you from uh that stop that kind of thing from happening but yeah i think sovereign feeds is a great step to uh to clearing up some of those robot blocks especially because they have a little gui that lets you just put your stuff in i agree and uh you mentioned that that url which was like slash this slash that but if you go to sovereign feeds there is now a tutorial button just right on the home page and there's only one link from there to get to the tutorial we're talking about. Uh, and Stephen B says that he's going to be updating that um, as he kind of hones in the, the solution that he's going to figure out for XML. Yep. Oh, this is great. I'm yeah, loving it. It's coming along. It's coming along, man. Uh, this is the, this is like a evolution, man. It's not like a quick process, you know, but um, if you're looking at the winds, even week by week, there are still little wins out there that we're gonna we're gonna need all these little things in order to like put them all together to make the big picture work. So yeah, you want to do boostograms? Absolutely, we got to do boostograms. <laughs> do some boostograms. I need to pull couple. up my pad here. I saw a couple that came in during the show uh, by a couple folks commenting on what we were talking about. Oh, very nice. Yeah, it's always fun. Um. I like how Helipad does tell you your balance right up at the top. That's very interesting. It's cool, yeah. Es especially because I didn't know I had that much balance. Interesting. <laughs> That's always nice. Let's go, Abel. So just for your uh, education, uh, you already you may already know this, but I'm going to say it out loud. Our last episode was on six fives. That was uh, June 5th. And so we're going to be picking up... Um, Ah, it doesn't really say the date there. It says three weeks ago, but that that's basically what we're talking about is things that were more than three weeks old or less than three weeks old. Um, some of these I've seen, Mere Mortals, I think we read that last time. We've got Borg Acquisition. <laughs> There's Booberry coming, Ed. Uh, there are so many of these four weeks ago, three weeks ago. I think I see two that came in since then. We've got Ablecraft1337 sats from Mere Mortals. Says yep. DMU is definitely better than Music 2.0. Also, Australian animals are the best. My man. <laughs> um, we've got one from... Um, wow, you, you have to keep cycling through to get this. It's very interesting. Uh, we got one from Boobery during the show, which was 21,212 uh, 21, sats. I guess that's a super rush boost. Two says, one two one two. Oh fuck yeah! You're gonna make me want to do it. That's what he says. Uh, of course, <laughs> boosting the previous Abelcraft uh, Borg acquisition was the name of the other episode. Yes, and Borg acquisition. I believe we had some Abel and the Wolf boosts also. Oh, the Abel and the Wolf boosts. Yes. Well, one of them was from Kyron Down. I I know that much because. 
did you hear his um, episode about the decentralized music, the de- the uh, demu stuff? Yeah, he did a little uh, set there. It was right he before, did like a DJ set right before uh, his interview with you, which I listened to, by the way. Oh, thank um, you. And I thought it was very good. That was a fun one. That was a. Uh, I was on video, which is like, it's not really weird for me because I have the setup now to teach virtually. Mm-hmm. But it's also kind of strange because I don't, you know what I mean? Like, I'm usually just audio. So we got uh, 10,000 sets from Kyron. Kyron Down of the Mere Mortals podcast for making beans on Stay A While. Yes, what a dude. And of course says, playing this live as maybe the first P2.0 DJ set. You guys are awesome with many exclamation points. What a total sweetheart, man. Uh, Thank you, Kyron. Kyron. What a dude, too. That that conversation was a lot of fun. Oh, yeah. Um, I He, like, opened it up right off the bat with a question that, like, just totally caught me off guard. I wasn't really prepared for or thinking about. And then uh, uh, from there, we just, um, I don't know, man. We just kind of philosophized, and I kind of, I don't know. I tried to, <laughs> I tried to settle the, or I tried to dispel some of the rumors of uh, me being some kind of a genius or something. <laughs> because, uh, I don't know, like... That's like a false impression that's out there. Mm. <laughs> uh, but he got it right. I think he, like, in the description was, like, uh, saying something about, like, a, what it means to be a uh, a driven idiot. Yeah. Which Some, is... Uh, sometimes I feel like that myself. Which is something, like, a little bit more accurate. I think that I'm, like, a little bit more okay with that sort of a... It's like, I really want this stuff. I really don't know how to do it. Um, but... They, like, you know, I don't see anybody else coming and doing it for me, and I don't, like, rely on anybody else coming and, like, holding my hand and doing it for me. So, like, I just kind of surge forward into the darkness and run into walls and <laughs> stub my toe and cuss a lot and, you know, try to scrape something together. Yeah. Well, piece by piece, man. Been scrape, scraping a lot of things together for this episode. Uh, are, have we arrived? Oh, we got to be close there. We got to be close. We didn't really talk much about the fountain fountain updates, um, which I just wanted to kind of touch on. Yeah, give me a rundown of fountain updates, and that'll be the, the quick end rundown. Basically, is uh, they they'll stream sets back to you for certain actions. Yes, which is kind of interesting. It's oh. a cool dynamic. You can uh, basically, I think it helps with onboarding no coiners because you don't have to send them to an exchange to go buy some coin. You can just sit there and listen to some podcasts, and eventually you'll get some. It'll stack up. Just to be uh, explicit about it by listening to podcasts with ads, if I understand correctly. You can listen to any podcast. I've uh, earned sats from listening to Hog Story today. Okay. And, uh, you know, I I know they did not pay for that, and I know that... uh, And there was no ad inserted into their show. Um, If you go to the the home tab, there's always that recommended or promoted uh, section. Mm-hmm. And there will indeed now be ads in there. So you could listen to like a minute ad for, oh God, anything from, uh, the first ad I, I heard was Casa. Okay. Um, the second ad I heard was for some, I think it was like Hoddle Knot or some uh, fucking scheme hot. where you can what? It make was, mic. It was can, ho- Hot or Not? Hoddle Knot? You. Okay, I thought you said hot or not, and I'm thinking, is no, that, not that hot website? Or not. <laughs> Swipe left. <laughs> well, it was before that, it was hotornot.com. She's a four, man. <laughs> yeah. Clearly a four. Yeah. Uh, no, hodl not, which is this, um, uh, I don't know, I'm just going to say scam, where you can uh, <laughs> earn, yeah. earn 8% plus APY yields for locking up your coin with somebody else, and, you know, fucking good luck. Mm-hmm. Uh, which will work until it doesn't. Uh, it works until it doesn't, and everybody's kind of experiencing that now, whether it's little names or big names, whatever. Uh, I'm very uncomfortable with those sorts of services. Um, but, you know, having said all that, you know, you're going to see this in advertising. Uh, it's, a, it's the same sort of thing, and if, if anybody's ever used the Brave ads, and they pay you their shit coin oh, for, you know, yes. having passive ads served to you. And, and it's all stuff like that. It's like, uh, you know, DeFi Crypto Web 3 Project, Elite uh, Elite for the win, you know. It's all this uh, VC money pumping out uh, little micropayments to you. But, um, I don't know. I like, it, it definitely, 
gives me a leeriness, you know? There's well, just like this kind of, I'm, I've got defensive walls up now, uh, just looking around and um, you just want to, I don't know. Like, I don't know how I feel about it yet. It's going to take more time, really, because I don't want to really like give gut reaction and like shit on something that could become like really beautiful and really awesome in the future. But I also don't want to just be like uh, gung-ho diving into something that, you know, could get people wrecked too. So it's like... Yeah. Well, I mean, Vice, as much as I detest uh, promoting Vice, they actually did a interview with Jackson Palmer uh, earlier, really earlier this month. That was right after our last episode. And the title of the, the article is, Why Does Everything in Tech Feel Like a Scam? And then goes into <laughs> NF, from NFTs to Web3 to virtual worlds. It seems like everyone has a pitch about what the future looks like and how we're all going to get rich, basically. Yeah. And, and kind of dives into that. And I appreciate that that sentiment, not because I enjoy the sentiment, but because it's a common feeling that a lot of people have about this stuff and it's not unfounded there's a lot of people trying to get your uh get your money right now so uh, it's it pays to be cautious yeah i just it's like there was some there was some <laughs> flags like hodl not and like uh uh unveiling it with uh, uh pompliano coming out there yeah and um i i guess he's put it uh, he's according to that podcast because i listened to it all like he's invested into fountain now and i don't exactly know what that means or for how much does that mean he just uh bought some ads and promoted uh slots on there does it mean more does it mean he's like an advisor or whatever i don't really know uh it just kind of makes me cautious is all that's like all i'm gonna say like i'm i'm not like bearish or like i'm not gonna fucking you know uh take my toys and run away but it just is uh it gives me pause i guess is cautiously optimistic a good word? Cautiously optimistic is a great way to put it, yes, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, I'm cautiously optimistic uh, about some of these projects. I think there's some more stuff we can do for this uh, little little uh, section of the internet. I agree. We want to get it done. All right, well, until next time, I've been Abel Kirby. And I've been Sir Spencer. 